Our scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And I have to tell you, I'm really excited about Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. When we knew we would go through the lectionary from Advent to Lent, the next question was, well, should we continue in the lectionary and follow lectionary text through the book of Acts, maybe from Lent to Pentecost? And in January, when I was reading all of these texts, I read that Acts 3, 1 through 10 was one of them. And I am so excited about this text in particular because it contains one of my favorite puns in the New Testament. Yes. And so in January when I read this, right away I said, Sharon, Karen, Dustin, you have to know what's coming in April. And so this has been months that I've been waiting for us to go to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. These are the Acts of the Apostles. This is the next chapter of the story. Jesus has risen So now what? What do we do as followers of Jesus? And so we read the book of Acts as a template to help us understand what is God calling us to do as faithful followers of Jesus today. Before we come to the reading of God's word, let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, you have given us the gift of life. You have given us the gift of your word. You have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit, which makes your word living and active to us. You have given us this testimony of the disciples who have gone before us, that we may learn from them, but most of all, that we may learn from you, to pay attention to how your spirit has been and is and will be at work. So in the reading of your word this morning, may you speak to us by your Holy Spirit that we may live as people who celebrate and proclaim and live in the promise of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us! So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can you think of what pun might be coming your way? 
what absolutely wonderful play on words comes to us from this text. Pastor Dustin and Caitlin have been keeping track of how many times they have heard me preview this wonderful pun from the New Testament. It's been something I've been looking forward to, and now I get to finally share it. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. Well, let's preview it a little more. I gave you half of it in your bulletin. The sermon title was very carefully picked. And so now you can take that bulletin home, and maybe you'll throw it away right away. Otherwise, you'll hold on to it, and it will remind you of this pun. This pun that I heard in eighth grade for the first time, and I have never forgotten it since. And every time I read Acts chapter 3, it always comes through my mind. And so I would be amiss if I did not share it with you today. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10, is the story of the man who asked for alms and got legs. Oh! Months of anticipation. And you know what it's greeted with is the same familiar groans of another one of Pastor Stephen's puns and some pity clapping from Jed. Thank you. Another pun. Something that most of you have come to expect from me. It's not a surprise when I have puns. It's my primary sense of humor. And I'm glad I was in martial arts so that I didn't get beat up for it. But there's a pattern of asking, isn't there? There's something that happens. You know, every week you come here as a semi-captive audience, and I apologize for that, but you might end up hearing a pun. And it will probably cause the same reaction that it always causes for you. A brief chuckle, a smile, and a groan. But it's what you've come to expect. It's, it's part of the rhythm of our life together. And it's one that at least we can live with. I think it's hilarious. In the same way, the man who asks for alms and got legs, his rhythm of life is one of very expected, programmed giving and response. Every day he's brought to the temple gate called Beautiful, and he is set there so that he can beg for alms, so that he can make his living off of the almsgiving, which is, is a celebrated practice in Judaism. There's merit to it, and so it makes sense for him to be by the temple gate called Beautiful. And so he's set there, and the rhythm of his life, day after day, is to ask for alms and to receive. It's not a very fulfilling way of life. There's not great amounts of joy. And yet, it's a rhythm of life that he can live with. Day in, day out, week in, week out. He can live this way. And it's all that he really knows what to ask for, is that his friends can drop him off by the gate, and that he can ask people for alms, and that he can receive them with, with probably some thanks and probably some shame and some longing that if only there were more to be had in life than sitting by a gate and begging for alms. He doesn't know what else to ask for. This is his way of life. 
It's the pattern of asking that he will always have. And don't fault him for not asking for more. Because sometimes we jump to that so soon. Why didn't he ask Peter and John if they could perform a miracle for him? He doesn't know who they are. He's so set in his pattern of asking, he knows to be set by the gate and to ask for alms. And that's all that he knows. He doesn't know what else to ask for. The way you all receive this pun from me is the same manner of receiving that you'll always have. It's almost like, what if one day you were actually given a really good joke, but you don't even really know or expect to ask that from me? Because, you know, puns is what I give. This man's pattern of asking has shaped and defined his life. And so it is that he sits there by the temple gate called Beautiful, the temple gate Orion. But it's not beautiful to him. That temple gate is not beautiful to this man. It is called beautiful, and it might be ornate and decorative, but it is not a beautiful gate to him because it is a reminder every day that he begs for alms that this is as far as he can go into the temple. He can go no further than this because he is lame in both feet. He's not allowed inside the temple. And that gate that others call beautiful is the gate that reminds him that he is viewed as deficient and less than anyone else. And so he has his spot, and sure, it's a good spot, and sure, he can make his living, and sure, he can get his alms every day to live off of. But that gate reminds him that he is not allowed in the temple, that he is not allowed in the presence of God. That might be almost hard for us to imagine. It, it seems almost mean that this man would be prevented from going further into the temple. So maybe for our own translatability's sake, because the way we read Acts is to read it in their context and then wonder, wonder about the parallels of ours. And sometimes we need to use a little bit of imagination to make sense of the worldview that's at work here. Imagine if North Holland were the temple. Certainly around word and table and the baptismal font, around word and sacrament, this is the Holy of Holies. This is the place where we expect by the Holy Spirit to encounter God, which is why after the reading of the word, we say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These are the places that our Reformed confessions, the Belgic confession, teach us we can expect to encounter God in these places. There's a presence of God that is had for us here in word and in the table and in the baptismal font. But those are very special occasions too. Now consider if the temple of our sanctuary was, was broken off a little bit, that it was actually segregated for who could go where. Now, these, and there's an implicit bias that I'm going to use with this, that the front seats are actually the best, okay? So, you know, internalize that maybe someday. What if these front pews here were only for people who were born at North Holland? Only lifelong members could sit in these few, first few rows, and on top of that, only the men who were born here could sit in these first few rows. And then, a little bit further back, 
If you transferred in at a young age and you've been a part of this congregation for a long time, you could sit here once again if you're a man. And then the women who either were born here or had transferred in at some time could occupy the rest of the pews. And then the people who aren't members at all, maybe regular attenders, maybe very involved here, maybe they can, they can stay in the narthex. And that's all the further that we'll let them in. That's one space. These are reserved spaces. Only the privileged get to sit here. Where is the man who sat by the temple gate called beautiful? Where does he get to sit? He gets to stay in the parking lot. Maybe under the carport when it's raining, if he's lucky. But he gets to stay by the carport to ask everyone who's coming in and out if they can give him a dollar or two because that's how he can make his living. He knows that the rest of us get to come up in here and worship God. He knows that the rest of us get to come up here and enjoy presence of each other's fellowship. He knows that we get to come here and sing and praise God and take communion together and celebrate baptism together. He knows that we get to do all those things, but he is not allowed inside because he has been lame from birth. And so he sits in the parking lot. He sits by the doors, making his living off of begging from others. Does that concept unsettle you just a little bit? Would it make you uncomfortable if there was someone sitting by our doors that every day was not allowed to go inside, but was only there asking for money? The doors to the church might be called beautiful by us, but they would not be called beautiful by him if those doors were in place as a reminder that he was not welcome here. Thanks be to God that that's not how we operate today. If there was someone begging by the doors, I have full expectation and hope and prayer that he would be invited in that we would not relegate people to the parking lot and say, you know what, you're not allowed any further than this. Or that we were guarding people at the sanctuary, checking on how official they were to know how far we could seat them. The front seats are the best, once again. This man is not allowed inside the temple. He cannot partake in fellowship or the worship of God. He cannot go any further than that gate. It is his lot in life until Peter and John come along. Peter and John are going to the temple as is their normal Jewish custom, the morning, the afternoon, and the evening hours of prayer. And Peter and John go in, and as is the man's custom, he is asking for alms, and he doesn't even look at them for very long. Peter has to say, look at us. You know, give us your full attention. Because he's probably passed them over, assuming they probably won't give me any money. If they haven't gotten out their wallets at this point, they won't. He doesn't think they can give him anything beyond his normal asking. But instead, they give him something so much better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And this man, 
who has been lame from birth instantly is made strong. And Peter takes him by the right hand and the man becomes strong in his feet and ankles. And he walks and he shouts and he jumps and he praises God. And then what happens? Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. He went into the temple courts. He came in further than he'd ever been allowed to or been welcomed before. Many of us have paused with this story because we're not sure how we can follow up with Peter and John. Maybe it's not our gift to bid people to stand up and walk. But the end result, in the name of Jesus, this man is ushered into the presence of God in the temple. And that's something that all of us can take part in. That is hospitality at its core. Recognizing a need, silver and gold are certainly being asked for, And God knows that this man needs silver and gold. He needs the alms to live off of. But his jumping and shouting and praising God is also mixed with the fact that he's suddenly in the temple. He is no longer kept outside in the parking lot, but he's been ushered into the sanctuary. By the spirit of hospitality, he is made whole and new again. And his prospect on life has completely changed. And he is welcome. The result of the ministry in the name of Jesus is that the man in the parking lot has been brought into the presence of God. Now, as I said, as we read the book of Acts, we're not going to do everything in the exact same way. This is not um, a blueprint that we imitate to a T in part because we're in a little bit different context than them. We're not in first century Rome. We're in 21st century America. But there's similarities, and there's some key differences. But the question is translatability. How was God at work then, and how is God at work now? What does faithfulness to Christ's call look like? What has the Holy Spirit empowered us to do today? We have people in our parking lots. Maybe not literally sitting by the door. Maybe not people who aren't literally prevented from coming inside from the carport doors. But we do have people in our parking lots. We have people who have real needs. And they're asking for alms. And they don't know what else to ask for. And they might not literally be asking for money. Some are. And in fact, that's a responsibility of the church. The office of deacon by the liturgy of the RCA is set aside as one of mercy, service, and outreach to care for the sick, the poor, and the afflicted. But that's the call of all of us. But who else? Who else in your life is the one who's stuck in the parking lot? Who, like this man, has never been welcomed or invited or ushered into the presence of God? but has been relegated and kept at arm's length. This is where hospitality happens, is in those who have been kept away become the honored guest. 
of those who we've gotten used to that that's their way of life. They're destined to just ask for alms their whole life. The wonder and amazement of the crowd is that all of the people in the temple courts would recognize this man. They know his face. They've seen him. They see him every time they come to church. And now he is in the temple courts praising God along with them. Because of the ministry of Jesus Christ, he has been brought into the presence of God. There's a place for giving alms. But there's a place for all of us to celebrate hospitality, to invite, to share, to pay attention to who in our workplaces or our neighborhoods or homes is maybe kept a little distant. We all have them around us. And they need to be ministered to in the name of Jesus Christ. Who is that for you? What are they asking for? But then the real question is, what do they really need? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we pray that you give us eyes to see those who are begging by our gates, even the gates that we call beautiful. Lord, give us eyes to see those who are kept at arm's length and give us the courage and boldness and compassion by your Holy Spirit to minister to each one in the name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear the needs that are true and present and being asked for, but give us hearts and minds full of wisdom that comes from you, wisdom that will help us to know what the true needs are. Lord, may we minister to the true needs of the people in our neighborhoods and bring them into your presence. This we pray, all in the same name in which we minister, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.